If you have your Bibles, um, just have them with you, but there's no need to turn to them at the moment because um, I've got a few people who are going to be doing uh, some readings for us. And they've been given a piece of paper with the um, reading reference on. And it's in Matthew's Gospel, Matthew chapter 2. So if you want to open your Bibles uh, at that, and uh, I think there's a pew Bible there, so Matthew shouts out the page number for the pew Bible, Matthew uh, chapter 2. And um, those people I've given the readings to, I'm not sure what order I've given them now, but whoever has them, they've got the Bible records on the top. And that's what they're going to be reading, so you're okay. If you want to sit down in a more comfy uh, seat, Stuart. Stuart's usually staying there to do the choruses, and Derek's usually up at the piano. Now, if, as I say, some of the children come through, um, we'll have a little bit of a sing of the choruses then. Okay. Page 682. Page 682, if you have one of, the, uh, one of these Bibles. Great. Let's just pray before we start. Father, we just thank you for your word, and as we gather around it now, we ask that you will bless us by speaking to us through it. Not my words, but that your words might come through as we follow through these passages in Matthew's Gospel. And our Father, we just ask that you will bless us during this Christmas time, that we will enjoy it, but we will also be able to share that joy with others. We ask these things in your name. Amen. Okay, well, you know that on a Sunday morning we've been looking through uh, the book of Esther. It's a great book to look at. And I'll just explain where we got to so far. In the book of Esther, uh, the king um, set a, a royal crown on Esther's head. And she was made queen instead of Queen Vashti. And the king gave a great banquet, and it was called Esther's Banquet. It's for all the nobles, the officials, and he proclaimed a holiday throughout the province and distributed gifts with royal, what's the word, liberty. In other words, he freely gave out gifts and he had a big party. It was a celebration. And then when the, um, the sort of time came, Mordecai was sitting at the king's gate and we read there that Esther kept the secret of her family in the background and she didn't reveal her nationality just as Mordecai had told her to do so she continued to follow Mordecai's instructions as things happened in the city of Zusa. Now this morning and for the next few weeks in fact until next year. It's not that far away, is it? <laughs> We're going to leave Esther in the palace as queen. And we're going to leave her cousin Mordecai outside at the gate. And they're going to stay there. Now Mordecai will go home for his tea and his dinner. But he's going to each day come and stay at the city gate. So keep those things in mind. Now then, why do I do that? Why have I left them there this morning and we're not going to go back to visit them till later on? I'll tell you why. Because you're all waiting for Christmas. Everybody's waiting 
or Christmas. So we're going to sort of think about Christmas. We're going to enjoy Christmas, but we're going to learn what Christmas is all about. Part of it is, we've got the deckies up, we've got the tree, we've had the kids' party. That's all part of it. That's great. That's all part of it. But there's a deeper meaning, and this is what we need to get hold of. And it's a question. What are you doing as you wait for Christmas? Don't answer me. Just think about it. What are you doing? I'm going to be a lot, I know that. What are you doing as you wait for Christmas? But here's the other question. What were people doing way back immediately before that first Christmas? What were they doing? Well, in Judea, they were waiting for the birth of Messiah. They were excited about the birth of Messiah. They knew about the birth of the Messiah. They had all the references, the place, the time, not the exact time, but what things would be like when he arrived, what he would be like when he arrived, where he would arrive, where he would come from, what he would do when he arrived. And they were all waiting excitedly for this. All the people in Judea had all this information and they're waiting for the birth of the Messiah. What were they doing while they waited? It seems to be everything else other than really waiting for the Messiah. Were they preparing for his birth? Were they preferring for the Messiah who would come? And the answer was no. They were doing everything else. They knew it. They were doing everything else. And you know what happened? The majority of them missed him. <coughs> the majority of them didn't recognize him when he came. What are you doing this Christmas? Matthew 2, verse 1 to 6, and I think it's Stuart. Matthew 2, just come and read it to us, Stuart. Stand there in a loud voice. Here, I'll turn the mic around. Stand there in a loud In the mic. This is uh, Matthew 2, verses 1 to 6. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star in the when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and the teachers of the law, he asked them, where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophets had written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. Great. Thank you, Stuart. That was really good. And uh, come on in, take a seat. Uh, it's fairly warm in here. We have a sing later as well. So that was a, you know, 
we've just read that. Okay, now, if you'll pardon me the, the pun or the reference. Meanwhile, in a land far, far away. Okay, this is why the people in Judea were preoccupied, so preoccupied that God couldn't work in their lives. But God was working. And he was working in the hearts and the minds of, get this, a number of Gentiles. You see, the gospel is for all people. God was preparing it through the Jewish nation and then for all people. But he was also working in the hearts of Gentiles. This is God at work. God works, you say, and the Bible says in mysterious ways, but he works these ways. And he's working in the hearts of these Gentiles, Gentiles who have an interest in the night sky. Now, this is because this is part of God's creation. You want to know about God? Read the Bible. But you don't only have to read the Bible. Just open your eyes and look around. See the beauty that is here. We've spoilt it. But the beauty is still here, the night sky. Beautiful, isn't it? This time of year. And particularly if you're in a place where there's unpolluted light, you can see the stars. These were wise men. They had this ability. And the stars that they looked at would reveal a star that would lead them to look for answers. There are things, you know, that lead us to look for answers. The literature we give out at Christmas time. People might not know a great deal about the Old Testament and the New Testament, but through a little bit of literature, God can use that. And if they search, and what did Jesus say? If you search, you will find. That's what we pray people will do. So the answers that they were looking at and the answers that they needed where were they you ever thought about that well we know they were in judah we know that they were with god's people we know that the scriptures were there we know that the history of abraham isaac moses king david solomon the breakup of the two kingdoms, Israel, Judah, those who were taken into captivity, all of it contained the promise of the Messiah and all that information was there in Judah. Where did these men come from that God was speaking to? These Gentiles were only told, and this is all we need to know really, we're told that they came from the east. Now, we don't speculate, but God gives us enough information for us to think about it. It was a long way. There was no real gospel there. There was no real evidence, as far as we know, of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. But maybe there was. Because God is at work. 
Let's just think about that for a moment. We know, and you can do this, you can Google it, you can get a map out, you can have a look. The places in the east are still there. The places east of Jerusalem are still there. They were called Persia, Babylon, and Arabia. Some of those names are the same. Some of them have changed, but the country is still there. The land is still there. And it has a history. So they're looking for answers. All the answers were in Judah. But not all the answers were in Judah. God was speaking to these Gentiles. God was leading these Gentiles. God was using their intellect. He was using the things that they were interested in. And he was going to use them in a mighty way. Let's go back a little bit in the history of Israel. The history of these people in Judah. Let's go back to the days of King Solomon. The Queen of Sheba came to see for herself if the stories that she'd heard were true. So the message of David and Solomon had gone out across the world. And she was curious and she wanted to know what it was all about. 1 Kings 10 verse 1. When the Queen of Sheba heard about the time of Solomon and his relationship with the Lord, she came to test Solomon with hard questions. See that? Get that? See where we're coming from here? The answer to her questions, they went beyond what she learned about Solomon and they were far beyond what she expected. But she found something more which was far beyond the splendor of Solomon. She learned about Solomon's God. The Queen of Sheba learned about Solomon's God and she was impressed. And she would have taken that information back with her. We do that, don't we? We go to another country, we come back, we learn a little bit about it and we share about it. And the people would want to know, oh, the Queen's back, where's she been? She's been away for, it might have taken six months, it might have been a year, I don't know. But she was on a royal trip. What did you find out, Queen? We all want to know. Well, Solomon, was it? Oh, yeah, far beyond. And Solomon's Lord and God, let me tell you about him. Did she document it? Did she take copies of some of the scriptures? God was working in her life. She didn't go there just to see Solomon. She went there to see God. Why did she go there to see God? Because she wanted to, but God wanted her to as well. Many years later, after the Queen of Sheba, when Nebuchadnezzar, you can read all this in the history books as well as the Bible, as you know, reading the Bible, because <laughs> that's where you'll get the real story. But the real things, so they are part of real history. I've said it before, haven't I? It's not really history, it's his story. That's God's story. So we shouldn't be surprised when we think about these things and we come up with these answers. 
The king of Babylon besieged Jerusalem. He eventually took them all into captivity. But we know that he took some of the important people with him. He took them back to Babylon. And he also took some of the articles from the temple. He would have known what those articles were, what they were for, what the altar was for. Why they had these cups, why they had these, these different things. What are these for? Oh, that's good. Put the gold on, we are taken. <laughs> but he knew what they were for. He would have done. And these men... That he took these people, maybe who were the educated people, maybe some of the richer people, maybe the ones who were in the political sphere, we'll take those. Maybe the young ones coming up, who were, they're smart, they've got, I want to know more about these things, I'll take them with me. And that's what he did, we're told he did that. Daniel 1 verse 6 and 7, among those who were chosen were some from Judah, Daniel, Hananiah. Michelle and Azara. The chief official gave them new names. To Daniel, he named him Belteshazzar. To Hananiah, Sadrach. To Michelle, Mishkel, Mishkel, and Azira, Abednego. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Daniel, yeah, we know the stories. They knew all about. What was going on in Judah? They knew about the God who was their God. And they demonstrated who their God was. Daniel did. Because he stood firm. Daniel was a man of prayer. Daily he prayed three times. He got thrown in the lion's den. God rescued him. Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. Nebuchadnezzar, we're not going to bow down to your statue. We know the true God. Okay, let's see how strong your God is. Light a fire. Fairness, make it stronger. Right, you three. Guards, take them in. The guards, some of them were affected by the heat before they got there. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego walked up and down in the fire. And then Nebuchadnezzar saw one, a third man, looked like the son of the was the son of God. And they walked out. And tell me yet Nebuchadnezzar didn't know anything about the God of Israel. The God of Daniel, the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the God of Solomon, when the Queen of Sheba took information back to hell. And the men from the east, now, whether Yemen, Saudi Arabia, Oman, or Iraq, see, Babylon is old Iraq. So these lands that we know, they're where the Queen of Sheba would have come from. They're where Nebuchadnezzar ruled. These men were from the east, where the Queen of Sheba would have been, where Nebuchadnezzar would have been. Where Esther and Mordecai are all. We left them there earlier. One in the palace and one outside the gate. Who knew about the God of Israel. They would have had, more than likely, 
access to historical documents, they would have searched the libraries, they would have searched their own history, they would have found out these things, they would have come across information about the God of Israel, and they came across the information that one would be born in Judea who would be the king, and he would be born a king. Whoa. Does that sound strange? Not many people are born king, you know. You might be born a prince, and then they have to become king. This baby was already king of the Jews. I bet they scratched their heads on that. And they probably said, now, hang on a minute, lads. He's going to be, a baby's going to be born a king. It doesn't happen in our country. That's strange, isn't it? Let's go and find out what it means. Is this a new political system? Is this a new, new, new way of living? Uh, you know, let's go find out. They would have financed the trip. We don't know if they were rich, but they got the money together. We know that they were clever. We know that they were wise. We didn't even know how many there were. But what did they do? These men from the east. They would learn about a child who would be born king of the Jews. They saw the star being a heavenly sign of God and they prepared to meet this baby and get this, to honour him and to worship him. Keep that in mind. We sing it, we carols, we read it, but do we really think about it? They came to see the baby and to honour and worship him. Keep it in mind. It's not what they are preparing to see. It's who they're preparing to see. They don't know that yet. You know, all the leaflets go out. It's to prepare people to see the one who is. Yes, the baby in the manger but the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the one who is Jesus. There's another question. What will most people be preparing for this Christmas? The answer is, come on, you don't have to do it, really. I'm going to tell you. You're preparing for Christmas. That's a bit obvious, isn't it? But what Christmas? According to the television adverts, the newspapers, the shops, what's going on? People are preparing for food. Yeah. People are preparing for chocolates. In my case, ginger chocolates. Dark ginger chocolates. <coughs> Perfume. Smelly stuff. Aftershave. Jewelry. All enjoyable things. Well, let's pray that most people will find the person who can bring real joy to their lives, the one who is Jesus. Well, we didn't sing it, but maybe uh, you know, we will, and we certainly will over this period. Joy to the world, yeah? Why? Because you've got some chocolate gingers, a new bike, 
you can't maybe for somebody, I don't know. No, because you've got Jesus. God's at work. God's at work in the hearts of men who are about to make a journey of faith. Why? Because they want to know more about the God of Israel, the God of Solomon, the Daniel. We don't know if these men were kings. It doesn't say. It says they were magi, which means they were wise men. And wise people search for Jesus. It said we don't know if they were rich. They might have been. They got the finances together. <laughs> Maybe, you know, they, uh, what you do now? You put one of those things on WhatsApp or on, uh, online and get money to, and I don't know what they did, but God was behind it. And God gave them the ability to be wise. He gave them the ability to have the finance, to be able to finance this journey. He gave them the ability to be able to make that journey. And it was a long journey. And they brought precious gifts. Gold, frankincense and myrrh. When they did that, when they selected those gifts, they didn't understand just how significant those gifts were. We sang it in the carol. If you get a minute, read through the verses again. Gold, frankincense, myrrh. Why was it gold? Why was it frankincense? Why was it myrrh? They thought these are precious things and these will be good. But they were specifically good for who they were giving them to. <laughs> That's a hard thing, isn't it? To give people the gift that they really want. Not the one that, oh, that's great. <laughs> Put it to one side. This is what they needed. This is what God gave them. And he also gave them the strength and the ability and the desire to make that hard journey. You don't always want to go on a journey, do you? Especially when you're not sure where you're going. Abraham did that. Yeah? So were these men. How many of them came? We don't know. We just know there were three gifts. But when the Queen of Sheba came from the east and she came to see Solomon, she travelled that distance with a great caravan. Now, it wasn't one of those big caravans that annoy you when you're going down the motorway. This caravan is the word for an entourage of people and supplies to sustain them on the journey, to guide them and to protect them. And when they came to Judah, where did they go? What was the first place they went to? They're looking for a king, so they went to the obvious place. They went to Herod. God was leading them. And he led them there. That wasn't the actual place. But it was God's intent that that's where they would go. That was the obvious place they would first go. Must be here. Ah. When they got there. I think this might be Enid. Matthew 2, verse 7 through to 12. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, 
Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. After they heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them, and it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Oh, thank you, Ed. Herod's palace. The people didn't have a clue what they were talking about. Why are you here? And when they said why they were there, Herod didn't know. The people didn't know. The wise men didn't know. So they had to go and find out. They have to go and find out and look at the information they already have to hand. Ooh. They found in the words of the prophet Micah. But you, Bethlehem. Oh, we know Bethlehem. Stones down the road. In Judea, the land of Judea. Oh, that's where we are, yeah. Oh. So they're in the right place. Because our scriptures say so. You are by no means the least among the rulers of Judah. Oh, that's good. Amen. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. They're looking for a king. A king who's just been born. A king. This information gave these men confirmation that God was leading them in the right direction. We're in the right place, grace. The scriptures say, God's word says it, we're here. Wait a minute, you've got to get to Bethlehem. Where's that? Well, Bethlehem is, oh, that's not far yet. Okay, we'll go there. So they told them where Bethlehem was. You know, God's people in the land had all the information, they had all the books. You know, here, we have all the information. We have it here in God's Word, the Bible. We have it in the tracts, in the leaflets that are given out. And in many a house, the Bible will be dusty on the bookshelf, never taken down. And the tracts that are given out, some of them will be immediately thrown in the bin. The information was there. But it was ignored. Well, let's pray that the many tracts and booklets that are given out by us and by other churches and other Christians, friends and neighbours to family, that they will be read and that they will have a result. That they will see the baby in the manger is the gift. That is the gift of Christmas, which is there for anyone to receive. If they will receive that baby as the Christ, the Messiah.
a man on the cross. He lay in the grave for three days and rose again and ascended back to heaven. The wise men took note, they went to Bethlehem. They didn't go to the stables, you know that. <laughs> you got a little crib here. And it's great, this is good. And we've got little baby, Mary and Joseph, we've got a shepherd, we've got the wise men, they're all there. But really, at the crib, there was only Mary, Joseph, the baby Jesus and the shepherds. The angels had told the shepherds to go. But you know, in a way, they are all around the crib, because eventually, that's how the wise men would see Jesus, the baby born in a manger who is God. But they didn't go to the manger to see him. It's great to have the nativity play and bring these elements together. It's great also to have the little crib because it reminds us of these characters of Christmas, the real people. But in the Bible it tells us, on coming to the house, they saw his mother, Mary, coming to the house. This is important. Still in Bethlehem, the baby was born in a manger. They would have gone on to register with the authorities because it was a census. Maybe they found a place to stay and they stayed there for a while while they, you know, had this little baby and they were in a house. And that's where the wise men went. How many men came? We don't know. There might have been this big entourage that pulled up outside the house. Might have been two of them went in, because it's called men, not man. So there would have been at least two who went in. Maybe three went in, maybe four went in. Maybe they all went in the house and the rest were around the door. But whatever it was, they brought three gifts. Gold, frankincense and there. And as I said, they wouldn't have realised at the time how important those gifts were. Not only that they presented who Jesus was, but also they probably were able to finance that trip they were going to have to make as they became refugees. Mary, Joseph and the baby. Refugees who had to escape to Egypt. So these men who came Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. What did I ask you to remember? We read that they bowed down and worshipped the child. Why did I ask you to remember that? Because it's important. They presented their gifts. They bowed down and worshipped the child in recognition of who he was. You don't usually do that, do you? You might come to see the newborn baby and bring a gift, but you don't bow down, you don't worship, and then you don't present that gift in the way that those gifts were presented here. They came 
they saw the child and they recognized and they reacted and they responded and their response was to bow down and worship the child. We need to recognize Jesus as our Savior so that we come to him in humility, confess that we are sinners, recognize that he's the one who died in our place, and then accept the gift of who he is, the one who is represented, the gold, the frankincense, and the myrrh, the king, the priest, and the one who died, sacrifice. The gift that they received was knowing who Jesus is. They bowed down and worshipped him. He is the true gift of Christmas. They left for home a different route. And God told them to go back a different way. And when they went back, they would have taken all this information back to their own country about the one who is born king, the one who is worthy of humility before him, of praise and of our worship. We're going to have another reading now. And Adrian, if you want to just uh, read from there, that'd be great because you've got a big loud voice. And this is Matthew 2, verse 13 through to 18. We're going to draw to a close in a few moments. When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night, and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, out of Egypt I called my son. When Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under, in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. Then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. The voices heard in Ramah, weeping and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. Thanks, Adrian. I know we're familiar with these passages, but um, you probably wondered why Herod put this order out and he said, take any child from baby to two years old. That's a two-year period. Why, why, why did he do that? Why? He did it for a reason. The reason was that he wasn't going to make any mistakes. You see, these wise men had come. He'd heard the scriptures read. He saw this new king as being a threat to him and his reign. And so he wanted to annihilate him 
And how did he do that? Well, first of all, when did he do that? He did it when he found out that the wise men had tricked him. It was God really who tricked him. Because God had told them not to go back by way of Herod. And when he found out he'd been deceived, he was angry. But the time had lapsed. He knew they went to see a baby. But they hadn't come back yet. How many months passed? Maybe two. Bethlehem's only down the road. Maybe when he, he didn't hear from them, maybe he sent somebody out to look for them. We don't know. But the point is that he wouldn't be sure. And now when he makes this decision, he's thinking, okay, the baby was born then. He might be, well, he won't be a baby now. He might be three months, six months, eight months. Oh, I'm going to cover my bets here. Two years will be sure of getting it. So every child born in that two-year period would be killed. The massacre of the innocents. You know what? There wouldn't have been a great many babies killed then because there wouldn't have been all that many born in that, that area, but it would have been a lot and it was a bad thing. The massacre of the infants. The two-year period was Herod trying or thinking he'd be sure of killing the one who was born, the king of the Jews. You know, a child would grow up and die. But that was God's time and for God's purpose and not Herod's. And this tells us just how much God is in control. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. That's the gift for you and I. Many, sadly, will miss Christmas again this year. They'll celebrate, but they won't celebrate the real Christmas and they won't accept the real gift of Christmas, the one who is Jesus, the one who is worthy to be praised and worthy of our worship. I'm going to finish with a poem. You might guess what it is because I've told you the poem before. What to believe and what not to believe, on which side of the line do you stand? The man, the men, safe at home in Jerusalem or the men from a faraway land. The men in the town who had knowledge, they knew all there was to know. The strangers who knew very little, but they had a strong desire to go. They set out on a treacherous journey filled with dangers, hardships and pain, while the men in the town were content and consumed by their personal gain. They gained position and power, a great deal of wealth, by dubious means. They loved to be seen at the temple, acting out in insincere scenes. <clears throat> Men from far, the faraway country, had hearts that were true and sincere. They suffered the trials of the journey. They travelled for most of the year. They knew it would never be easy. 
but their minds they fixed on their gold. While the men in the town fed their stomachs, and the men on the move fed their soul. The men in the town were self-righteous. They took for themselves everything. The men who set out on the journey had gifts that were fit for a king. The travellers came to Jerusalem, where they thought that the child would be. The promise of God, the Messiah, the Christ child they expected to see. Instead, they were met with blank faces. The men in the town were confused. And Herod, not expecting to see them by his presence, was not amused. When the men from the town with the knowledge, who knew all there was to know, <clears throat> took the time to find where the child was born, they had no desire to go. While the strangers, who knew very little, but what they knew they believed, headed straight for the town of Bethlehem, where the gift of God they received. They rejoiced with the shepherds and angels, along with the heavenly band, while the men in the town, when they met him, rejected him out of hand. What do you believe? And what not to believe? On which side of the line do you stand? Do the men say that home in Jerusalem or the men in the faraway land? Like the men in the town with the knowledge, do you know all there is to know? Or like the strangers who knew very little, but they had a desire to go? Jesus said, Come unto me, all you who are weary laden, and I will give you rest. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for your word. We thank you for this Christmas time, and our prayer is that many will receive that true gift of Christmas, the gift that you offer, the gift of your Son, as he died for our sins. May we be humble enough to acknowledge that we are sinners who have done wrong and have disobeyed you and stand condemned in your presence. But our Father, we pray that you will help us to bow before you, confess our sin, and invite you into our lives, and then to worship you. We ask these things in your precious name.